So are you a, a are you a Bon Jovi person at all? He's from Sarah. No, no, I'm not. No, I, I also don't like. No, I don't like Bruce Springsteen either. No. Do you like anything from New Jersey? Um, duh. <laughs> <laughs> Your not much. Yes, I love my parents. Okay. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Human Element, Kara's podcast focused on modern marketing. I'm so excited to have Lindsay Rittenhouse, agency reporter at a little publication called Ad Age. <laughs> Lindsay, thanks so much for coming. Thanks for having me. So let's kind of jump in. I, I'm going to start in a non-traditional way. Are you ready okay. for that? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I did a little bit of biographical research. Okay. Is that all right? Yeah, totally. Okay. And you are from New Jersey, the mm-hmm. great state thereof. Whereabouts? Yes, yes. So I grew up on the beach. So, well, not on the beach, but um, near the shore. Okay. And um, now I live in Sayreville, which is... Oh, really? Yeah, really in the middle of nowhere. There's just like warehouses around me. But the it's, Starland Ballroom yes, is in Sayreville, yes, New that's Jersey. That's our claim to fame. Mm-hmm. A little, a shout out to oh, the Garden State. Yeah. Family still in New Jersey or no? Uh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're still there. Yeah. So I'm always interested in people's sort of stories and how they get started. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is your story and how did you become A, a reporter and B, a reporter sort of focused on the advertising space? Um, Well, I went to school for journalism. I always wanted to be a journalist. Right out of college, I think I was working for the Trenton Times, which is in New Jersey. And where'd you go to school? Uh, Seton Hall. Okay, got mm-hmm. it. Oh, yep, New Jersey. Close to me, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah, that was there for a year. And then I went to the street.com, which is like financial sure. news. Yeah. Jim um, Kramer. Yep, Jim Kramer. So I was there for about two years. And then I was looking for something new. I liked the financial aspect of the reporting, but, you know, it, it wasn't as exciting or as fun as maybe, you know, reporting on advertising. So when I was looking around, I saw Adweek had open had an open position. And I kind of had this like thought that everyone who reports on advertising like came from an advertising background. But I was like, ah, whatever, I'll just apply and see what happens. And I got the job. So then now here I am. The rest is history. Yeah. And my dad, you know, is in advertising. So I grew up with Ad Age and Adweek and and I saw that. I saw a picture on your Twitter feed. Yeah. Where did he work? When I was young, he worked at Art Communications. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. He was a creative director and art director. And now he does healthcare communications. So you recently made the jump to Ad Age mm-hmm. from Adweek. Yes. So congratulations Thank on you. that. Thank you. What are you going to be aimed at at Ad Age that's maybe a little different? Well, I think at Adweek, we we covered a lot. I wasn't very focused there, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I did did a lot of, you know, creative coverage as well as the business side. But I think at AdAge, I'm just going to be strictly focused on kind of the business side, looking at culture, industry trends. So let's talk about trends. Mm-hmm. What are you hearing people talk about the most in terms of, you know, agency, client, holding company trends? Are there mm-hmm. sort of two or three or four that stick out? Um, well, consolidation, definitely. And I think this just like broken client agency kind of like relationships. There's just a lot of concerns right now about in-housing and uh, clients moving to like project work and everything's procurement driven. And it's just, it's it's causing a lot of, I think, headaches in the, in the whole, you know, holding company or you know, independent agencies, it affects all of them. But I think everyone's kind of like vying for a smaller sliver of the pie because there's not as much out there, if that makes sense. It does. And I think you've put your finger on a lot of very topical issues. 
a lot of those things are not new. Yeah. Right? So to some extent, there's a sense now that maybe we're closer to, you know, a cliff or, or you know, we are on some kind of precipice of a mass change of some yeah, kind. Yeah. I, I think that might be mm-hmm. the new part. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think you're right. I think you put your finger on a lot of, a lot of things that are, that are relevant. Of all the folks that you sort of talked to over the past couple of years that are in the business— who had the most interesting perspective or what was the most interesting perspective that, that they shared with you? I, I, I think I really like Archer Sudan's like kind of perspective mm-hmm. on the industry and how, you know, everything needs to kind of be collaborative. You know, media and creative are increasingly more like coming together. And I think they pitch that way. But I, I mean, a lot of agency holding companies are coming, are doing that. But I think that one just comes to mind because of the, they have that power of one strategy. When you think about sort of the client condition or Mm -hmm. you talk to clients in particular, people that are actually CMOs or or senior marketers, what do you hear from them as their principal concerns? I I guess transparency is always kind of a big one. Um, Mm. They want to, you know, make sure that their agencies are being honest with them and transparent and all of that. Imagine that. Yeah. I think diversity too is another one. I mean, we hear like Mark Pritchard talking all the time about how he wants to push his agencies to be more diverse and they want to see diverse teams and everything. Well, let's talk about diversity and inclusion because obviously it's a massive topic, not Mm -hmm. just in our industry, but it's been a massive topic in our industry for a really long time. Obviously there's class actions that have been in place for years and years uh, across some of the large agency, largely creative networks. Mm -hmm. What's your sort of sense on what progress has or hasn't been made in the industry on those topics? Yeah, I kind of have a negative view because I just feel like even though all these agencies are like saying, oh, you know, we're increasing diversity and we have all these initiatives, like you're not really seeing, you know, people of color in these CCO positions or CEO positions yet. I mean, it's still just like chief diversity officer, which is great, but it's like, okay, well, where are the CCOs, where, you know? And I think also what I'm hearing is that there are agencies out there that sometimes put people of color on accounts to win accounts and then they move them off it. So I think there's still there's still a lot of work to be done. I think there's still issues out there that need to be fixed. But, you know, at least we're talking about it and people are pushing for it. So I guess there's some positivity there, some light at the end of the tunnel. But I don't know, I don't, it's still just such a big issue. I think you're exactly right. It's a massive issue, certainly along, you know, the, the racial diversity issue is a significant one, especially in particular functions and roles and yeah. even departments, right? Yeah. So, and retention too. Well, retention long been one of our many Achilles heels in this yeah. industry. But yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, if you look at creative populations, you know, gender diversity, where we've made a lot of progress in yeah. other role strategy and account management and finance and what have you, we still have massive issues, in my opinion, as an industry in the creative segment. And certainly that's true in in racial diversity as well. If you had a magic wand, which we'll give you on the way out, (laughs) um, what what would you do? If you could sort of change something related to the industry on this topic, Mm -hmm. what would you do? I mean, I would I would just promote the people who have been working their asses off to get in these positions <laughs> and haven't been recognized. And the people who got pushed out of the industry, there are a lot, you know, females and people of color who have been pushed out of the industry because they didn't feel like they had a place. 
so bring them back in and give them the titles they deserve. And also we need to start educating people when they're young, like getting children involved in it, showing like going to, you know, underprivileged areas and, you know, people who aren't represented don't necessarily know about the advertising industry, getting them educated at a young age too. My personal feeling is we occupy a disproportionately large mind share in some ways mm-hmm. compared to in in the business press at least. I think some of that is because, you know, everybody watches quote unquote commercials and everybody knows, you know, that, that they're being marketed to and it's a topic of discussion. But we're actually still a, a relatively small segment when you look at sort of other massive True, business segments. Yeah. And I wonder sometimes if that brings a level of parochialism with it, not necessarily in mindset, because I think, you know, if you've laid us side by side with other industries, you'd find a lot of pretty progressive, open-minded folks. Mm -hmm. But we still struggle with sort of this parochial sense of things. I don't know why. It's difficult. I think you're right. I think there is some level of, of grassroots activism required to create new employee populations or prospective employee populations. Those things take money of the many things I would fault the holding company model for. And there's things that have been wildly successful in the holding Mm -hmm. company model. One of them would be, you know, investment in some of those areas has been more difficult because of the, the nature of the consolidation and the, I think, lack of individual initiative at a lot of acquired companies as a result of that model and, and how much it's dependent on central functions being fully consolidated to manage costs and whatnot. Mm -hmm. If we were an industry that didn't sort of have a group of four or five companies that ran a big percentage of what happened, it'd be interesting to see whether we would have a better set of progress on some of these diversity inclusion issues. Mm -hmm. Because I think the financial nature of the holding company environment has has made that more difficult. So when you kind of look at the rest of 2019, so now we're going to go to the crystal ball segment. Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Did you did you grow up with one of those like magic eight ball things? Where you, I have one at home. Yeah, do you, so you have I one now. I still use it to make decisions. Really? <laughs> I now do. big decisions? Uh, not big decisions, but things that I just can't decide. So should should I, guess- I go out? Should I stay in? <laughs> <laughs> should I order sushi? Yeah, these kind of things. Those things. Yeah. Okay. Just easier. <laughs> What's its percentage success in your opinion? Uh, you know, um, fifty. <laughs> What's the most frustrating magic eight ball answer? The uh, what is it? The Maybe or whatever that is. Not ask the yes me again later. Ask me again later. Yeah, it's like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I'm, I'm paying not, you all this yeah. money, Magic Eight Ball. <laughs> As you look at 2019, what, what are sort of the things that between now and the end of the year you expect to sort of either pop up or you think we'll hear more about or will become you know more manifest in sort of our, our radar screens? See, I, I find 2019 so far to be like really, really boring. Um, <laughs> It, last year we had like, we were coming off of all of the kind of Me Too things yep. and all of that was happening. The, and then there was, you know, uh, this mini media palooza going on. Sure. And I just feel like nothing's really happening this year. So I'm like waiting for something to drop or something big to happen or all the conversations kind of around Me Too and Time's Up have fizzled out a little bit. I'm sure people are doing things, you know, behind the scenes, but we aren't really talking about it anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's it's a little dull out there right now. Everyone's just kind of going with the flow. In defense of Team 2019, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, we're only halfway through the year. That's true, that's uh, true. And we're, you know, again, to some extent, this is the low, you know, the calm before the storm of 2020 politics. So Yeah, that's true. So I do think while we've got lots of stuff percolating on that front, that that is going to become a, a massive issue. And and I would argue that 
what we saw in the Justice Department's kind of release of last week as it relates to antitrust discussions with Google and the move by the House Judiciary Committee around the same topic, both of which are occurring from different sides of the Mm -hmm, political aisle. mm -hmm. I think that sets up what I predict for end of Yeah, that'll be an interesting to watch totally. uh, Into 20 is that, you know, the platforms are going to get hammered from both sides of the it, it will be the only unified political argument is these things have to change yeah how is that going to affect their agencies well i think it's a massive opportunity and here's why clients have to become much more attuned to the level of advocacy that they need to display on behalf of their clients and customers and i think agencies have a role to play in that because i don't think it's something that clients can do on their own So to me, there is a space for agencies to play an advocacy helper, you know, whether it's validation, authentication, or pushing harder on some of these digital platforms to sort of make sure that there is more accountability and transparency and sort of conscious uh, and conscientious behavior. How that manifests itself, I don't know. Um, but to me, that that's interesting. Now, I'm sure there'll be downsides for agencies because there always are. Yep. But, it, it, you know, as I look at the environment, I think that's a role to play in helping clients. Because clients, again, they can't do it on their own. And I think they've come to the, the conclusion, which is correct, that they can't rely on the platforms themselves to help. Yeah, yeah. Because they've clearly displayed that they won't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Aren't you getting married in 2019? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I am. <laughs> He'll be happy to hear that. <laughs> 2019 is boring. Oh, yeah, I'm getting married. And when is that? Uh, October. Oh, well, that's exciting. Yeah. It's a great month. Where? Um, in New Jersey. <laughs> it's the theme. Yep. What's the one thing that people should be talking about in the industry right now that they're not? This kind of goes back to my, like, diversity point, but I think we need to, like, dive deeper into, like, okay, who's on each account team, who's, you know, like, really going into, like, the makeup of everything, and agencies will never probably reveal that. Both in the place I used to work and here, I'm aware of very specific client agency conversations around client team makeup at at all levels. Obviously, Mark's been pretty public about it, but there are other clients that are not public about it but are being every bit as diligent, if not more, in the accountability around driving toward that outcome in a a joint way. Mm -hmm. You know, because the reality of certain client organizations, right, if you're based in, I'm just going to pick something out of a hat, Ottumwa, Iowa, you know, that's not a massively diverse population more than likely. Yeah, totally. And so so tackling these things jointly between agency and client teams and, and driving specific accountabilities around progress in racial and gender diversity is is a, is a good way to do it. And we certainly have, I know here, we certainly have clients that are doing that. Mm-hmm. Most of that stuff is very opaque mm-hmm. to the press, unfortunately. Yeah. But there are places where it's happening. There's lots of places where it's not. Mm-hmm. I'll be the first one to yeah, say that. Yeah. But but there are places where it's happening. And it's the bigger client organizations, as you might expect. Yeah. You know, something I heard recently is that certain clients, like, if you go into a pitch, they have, like, no digital component to the pitch. I don't know if you, like, you, like, they all, like, I've, I heard from someone recently that they were, you know, pitching for a client and it was just, like, strict broadcast, like traditional whatever brief, and they didn't even know what Instagram was. I mean, is that like a thing? Do (laughs) (laughs) is that a thing? Every client organization has blind spots and 
you would be surprised at where some of them are and the brands at which those things occur. I've personally not worked recently at a large client organization that didn't know what Instagram was. Yeah. But I could share stories of things that they didn't know that they should have known. Mm -hmm. And I think that's reflective of how much the business has changed. Yeah. And how if you're a big, you know, FMCG company or you're a big technology company and you have thousands of marketers, right? You got four or five thousand marketers. Odds are those people have been working for your organization for a significant period of time in a particular capacity that is backward looking, right? It is a it is a legacy model doing, in some cases, probably legacy work, right? Whether it's direct mail or, or what have you. Yeah. And so they bring with them a set of skills that doesn't necessarily match a lot of times the immense diversity of options in, you know, the marketing services, marketing communications landscape of today. And so, yeah, that's a real thing. So I I, I would tell you, well, I would tell you that the single biggest challenge in client organizations right now is talent transformation. Hmm. And I don't care what client you are. And I don't care how big your brand is. I don't care how many Effies you have, you know, hanging on the wall or, can lines. That's the single biggest challenge. Our industry has changed so much and it changes so much each day that it's hard to keep up. Yeah, I understand that. As a marketer, you should, you know, that's kind of your job to keep up. Yeah. But again, this gets back to where do marketers come from, right? So where are undergraduate collegiate students being taught the business of marketing? They're not, right? They're not. You know, you could be going to, you know, XYZ fancy NESCAC, you know, 5% admittance school and you you can't get near a marketing class because they don't have any. So where are these folks getting generated? You know what I mean? So even today's kind of potential employee pools, they're not necessarily being trained, you know, they sort of arrive on our shores and we train them. To some extent, that's been the legacy good things about agencies is they've always been training grounds in that regard. It's also one of the reasons why we have such high turnover is because people learn skills and then they jump for $3 Mm -hmm. more. Sure. What do we need more of as an industry? Now, you mentioned diversity and inclusion. Any other things sort of jump to mind? Yeah, I definitely need that. I mean, more and more transparency and just better relationships, I guess, between clients Um, and then more collaboration, I think, between like media and creative right Mm. now that that definitely needs. I mean, I think it's already happening, but I could see that coming back together again. Yeah, that's an interesting point. That's one of the added questions I wrote down Mm. is this idea of, you know, undoing what was done 20 some odd years ago. Yeah. What shape does that take? In in terms of what like what holding companies how they should do it or how like, yeah so if you're a we won't pick Dan we'll mm-hmm. pick somebody else okay let's pick WPP that's fun <laughs> if you're WPP you have four media brands I think maybe more oh, like under Group M or whatever that is yeah yeah you've got they've merged a few but let's call it five global creative networks yeah what is the knitting together of those things look like. Well, that's where it gets really hard because these networks are huge now. So how do you kind of bring them together? I'm not really sure if I have the answer. And if I did, I'd probably be the CEO of a company. <laughs> but um, <laughs> these like client teams maybe might be the answer. Well, I mean, again, know? that's what we've been trying as yeah, an industry yeah, for the yeah. past 10 years or so. I mean, I used to run one and yeah. there were benefits to it. There were also downsides to it. I don't think we even as an industry have cracked the code on what that solution looks like. But I do think you're right that each day that passes, there is a need for creativity, 
significant media understanding and significant CRM direct data understanding to be much more intimately delivered to clients, especially because the artificial lines between acquisition and retention are going by the wayside. And when we have things at scale like addressable TV, that is no longer just an acquisition channel. It's no longer just a mass awareness channel. That is a that can be an accountable customer relationship management channel. Yeah. And you know, I, I've even talked to agencies and I don't know if you've experienced it too, but like where they're not necessarily working just within their own holding company or their own network. You sure, know, they're you can. like yeah. yeah. So it's more about being like that strategic partner to your client and having them all kind of work as these like mini consultants, if you will, I guess, like everyone's acting as a partner and they're all communicating all the time, you know, even if you're not necessarily connected. Now, Lindsay, that's a segue if I've ever heard one. You (laughs) mentioned the word consultants. I I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about them. Yeah. I mean, I I think uh, they don't pose as much of a threat as some people think. I mean, who wants to work as like a number in these big consultancies really? But I mean, they're Accenture just bought Droga 5. I mean, that's huge. You know, I don't think they're going to like start buying up all these creative agencies. I think that's kind of where they're going to leave it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a threat, but I don't think it's as big of a threat as some people think it is. I tend to agree, having worked at a consultancy on my last job, Mm -hmm. there are so many priorities in consulting organizations that it's difficult for me to believe that the number one priority in those organizations is ever going to be creativity. Yeah, yeah. No, and I don't say that as a, I'm not being critical. I'm just just being honest, right? David, there's a zillion other, right? So I don't know. It'll be interesting to just kind of kind of watch that space. Yeah. Why do you love this business? I don't know that I do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I like you. Uh, That's the Jersey part. I don't know that I do. In fact, I kind of don't like you at all. No, no. I mean, I I enjoy uh, reporting on it because it's it's always different. I got to meet a lot of really fun, creative people. They're all very smart, and it's very interesting. Um, everything's always changing. This industry is in crazy transformation right now, so mm. it's it's fun for me as a journalist to like report on this. But I don't think I ever want to be a copywriter or <laughs> make that transition into the agency world. To be honest, see, you're breaking my heart. I'm, I'm a, I'm a long-standing <laughs> frustrated copywriter, yeah, yeah. as as Jason can attest. So. You have made it successfully to the lightning round. Oh. Now, in theory, Mm -hmm. this is shorter answers to shorter questions. Okay. It almost always does not work out that way. Okay. Favorite digital experience? Okay. Application, web environment, you pick it. Well, I I was going to say the Elton John VR experience. That that counts. Okay. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that, that for the farewell Yellow Brick Road tour, that was really cool. I'm not familiar with how this worked, so tell me how, was this a... Okay, so Elton John, you know, he's going on his farewell tour, although I think it's like the second time he's gone on this, like, goodbye Uh, tour. So, like, to announce (laughs) it, they had this whole VR experience. Ah. People put on the headset or whatever, and they got, like, transformed into his career throughout the years. So, like, Ah. you were, like, transported into his different concerts, and it was just really well done, really well done. That's awesome. Yeah. Best piece of content you've recently consumed can be anything. Can be a podcast, can be a book, can be a movie. Um, let me think about that actually now. The PSA with uh Zoe Deschanel and uh what was it? Lonely Whale. 
and a young hero of the agency did it. But anyway, she like recreated this 90s infomercial about like, you know, plastic bottles and how they're wasteful and no yep. one should use them. But like she did in a really funny way, like mimicking a 1990s infomercial. Favorite social platform? Um, I guess Twitter. It's really the only one I really use. I'm a Twitter addict, yeah. so I'm with you on that one. Best career advice you've either given or received? Um, don't be afraid to fail, which I don't follow very often. I get very, like, <laughs> I, I'm very afraid to fail, but I, I, people shouldn't be afraid to fail. Because, Let it rip, yeah, Lindsay. Yeah. Everything be damned. Name any three people from the advertising business, from yeah. any point in history, right? Yes. So David Ogilvy, Leo Burnett, whatever. Yeah. That you'd love to host for dinner. So your ideal dinner party with three folks from the industry. Okay. I want Francis Garrity, Mary Wells Lawrence, and Carolyn Jones. I so, knew you were going to pick Mary Wells. I just had this Yeah, feeling. yeah, yeah. So I would love to get their perspective on being woman in the advertising industry at that time, especially Caroline Jones, because she was a black woman, one of the first creative directors at JWT. So, like, that would be cool to hear from them. That is a that is an excellent list. Mm -hmm. Thing people should know about you, but they don't. Well, a lot of people don't know that I'm missing the fibula bone out of my left leg. I saw that. Yeah. Now, is that forever or was there an accident? Oh, no, that was forever. It just didn't grow, which is really surprising to me that, like, that doesn't happen more often. You know, like, our bones just grow, like, normally all the time, you know? But mine didn't. <laughs> mine won. And so what was what have been sort of the challenges of that i'm sure there are many and then what have been something that you might even say has been good about it um well when i was little i had to go through a lot of surgeries so that was definitely challenging there were like six month processes where they broke your leg and like put you into this big trap thing with like needles yep. into your bone and then they slowly stretched your leg over a period of time so that was kind of like you know painful but sure. um you know it really i think it opened my eyes to like people have it so much worse like I was in a hospital with, like, kids with cancer, and it was just, like, eye-opening. So I I think I have a better outlook on life because of it. So I would never trade it for anything. <laughs> Lindsay, I cannot thank you enough for coming to visit us today. Thank you for Will you come me. back again? Yeah, I mean, if you'll have me. I don't know if I was that good. You but. were fantastic. <laughs> it was great to have you, and you absolutely must come back. Okay, awesome. Awesome. I All right, thanks. Uh, that is a wrap for this episode of The Human Element. Please make sure that you find us anywhere that you find your pods. And if you feel so motivated, subscribe or perish the thought. Give us a like. We'll be back out to you real soon. Thanks so much.